I'm going to do something a little different today. We're going to break the message up into two parts. I feel like that's probably the direction we need to go because I have, uh, I have a lot I want to give you today. We're going to baptize tonight, and so I'm, I'm not going to, I, I don't plan on keeping you long either service, but then we will baptize after the service. And so I felt like it was probably in our best interest to, to break this up uh, in two different parts today. And so I want to talk to you about instructing the generation to come. And so Psalm 78 is where we're at in our Bibles today. When you find your place, if you'll stand with us out of respect for the reading of God's Word, Psalm chapter 78, and look, if you will, at verse number 1. And what a, what a psalm Psalm 78 is. It's one of the longer psalms in your Bible. Uh, but I encourage you to go back and read all 72 verses. Tremendous, tremendous psalm. We're this is probably not the last time we're going to be camping out here for a little bit. And, and, and so, uh, anyway, Psalm 78 and verse number 1 says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. I was talking to Brother Looney this morning out before the service started and we were just making general conversation and I told him I said brother you are preaching my message today and then brother Mike got up here before he sang and the things he said I thought man he is preaching my message today and so I think God's just sort of paving the way for the message today verse 4 says and this is so important verse 4 really is our text the Bible says we will not hide them from their children showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. You may be seated this morning. I know, I'm sure that you know this, but if you, just in case you missed it, we just read some powerful scripture. And some scripture that I'm afraid America has missed, as Brother Mike said just a moment ago. I want to help us today. And you know what? His word, he has promised his word will never return void. And so I can preach a message, and as long as it's the word of God, somewhere along the line, it's going to speak to everybody here today. But I'm especially burdened for our homes. I'm really burdened for our homes. I'm especially burdened for our younger generation. And for our younger people, we have a, a church full, and especially before the COVID thing hit. And by the way, I think we'll get back there. I think we'll come back. I think not only will it come back, I think it'll come back stronger. Before the COVID, we had so many new families coming, a lot of young parents, a lot of young children. And so I want to I try, as your pastor today, I want to try to help our younger generation, our younger parents, those that have smaller children at home, those that have teenagers. And if you have teenagers at home, you need prayer. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. 
And every parent that's a little older can absolutely identify with what I'm about to say. We thought when they got out of the teenage years, we would quit worrying. It's not so. It's not so at all. I'm not sure that it doesn't get worse. I want to help us today. We're here. We might as well get something from this service. Let's don't, let, let's don't just go through the motions. And I know you hear me all the time. You hear me holler and yell and, and all. And I know if we're not careful, it's very easy just to sort of get used to it, you know. And it gets to be like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, wah, wah. Just another service, another song. We walk out. We get in our car. Don't let it be like that. Let's don't, let's don't go through the motions. Let's don't have a form of godliness. Man, I'm, I'm getting ready to pray. And when I pray, I want you to sort of pray something like this. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me personally today? Would you do something in my heart, in my life? I don't know about my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. And just pray that God would speak to your heart today. I'm burdened. I feel a sense of seriousness here this morning. And I want, you to, I want us to have a good time. And, and there's nothing wrong with laughing and having a good time in the service. But I really want you to get the message today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time, and we'll jump right into the Bible study. And it really will be a Bible study today. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary Baptist Church. I sure love this people. I love them, Lord, like they were my own blood family. I see them more, much more, then I see my blood family. I feel a kinship and a bond with them that can only be explained supernaturally. We are blessed to be a part of the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're disturbed by the things that we see coming up in our nation. And Lord, we've got to get back to church. And we've got to get back to preaching. And Father, I pray, if it might be your will, and I believe it is, I pray that you'll send new families and young families and young parents and young children into this church. Lord, a place where they can be encouraged and nurtured, not only by the pastor, God, but where they can be spiritually led by these older Christians and these older saints of God, and these older marriages, and these older homes. God, where these older Christians will pour into their lives. That's, that's New Testament Christianity. And so, Father, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now. God, I pray, and we plead the blood. I'm so glad Brandon sang that song. We plead the blood of Jesus over the service. Keep away distraction, Heavenly Father. Keep the powers of of darkness out, and I pray that you'd keep your blessings within. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Psalm 78, I believe, is what we would call a perpetual psalm, never-ending. Now, we know that all of Scripture is really perpetual. All of Scripture is never-ending. But I said that to say this, Asaph, who God used to pin the words of this psalm, Asaph is addressing generations. 
not just his current situation. For instance, we notice in verse number four there, the Bible says we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. We notice here that he did not say our children. He said their children. We notice verse number five, again, he mentions that word there. Their children, verse 5, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Verse 6, again, the Bible says that the generation to come might know them. Look at what he says. Even the children which should be born. They're not born yet, but they're going to be born. Who should arise and declare them to their children. I submit to you today that in verse 5 we see the past. In verse 4, we see the present. And in verse 6, we see the future. And so for all of those who say, man, that book's an old relic and it's not relevant anymore, <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I, you, you don't, you're not right. This book is still very pertinent and relevant today. And thank God, it not only speaks to the past generations and it not only speaks to the present generations, but you know what? It heralds a message to the future generations. And by the way, what this book says works. Amen. It works. We notice here we're challenged to show the word of God unto our children. Or what the Bible refers to as the next generation. And simply today, I'm just going to give you the introduction. And tonight, I'll preach the message. But I want to give you some reasons that we're challenged to show the Word of God to our children and then they're to show the Word of God to their children and to the next generation and so on. We'll put just a few things up here on the screen. Number one, we're, to challenge, we're challenged to show the Word of God to our children because or for the purpose of propagation. Now look if you will please at verse number five again. Very important. The Bible says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which... He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, verse 6, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. In other words, these that he's talking about receiving the word of God are not even here yet. They're not even born yet. But then he says this, who should arise and declare them to their children. Again, he's talking to generations. The idea here is this, that truth is to be passed on to generation after generation after generation. And the idea is this, so that the truth will not become dormant. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. But I want to read a very sad verse for you. Isaiah 59, 14, the Bible says, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Do you know what's happening in America today? Truth has fallen in the street. We have lost somewhere along the line. We have lost the word of God. Now, I want to see, this is so simple this morning, but I want to see if I can illustrate Brother, Brother Looney, can I use you today? Can I use you for an illustration? Uh, Brother David, how about, how about you? Brother Donnie, use you today if I can. Let's see. Brother Abel, would you mind? I know you're new, buddy. Would you mind if I use you today? Because you're perfect for this. Guys, I want you to, to aim that direction. Abel, you come here with me if you will. I want you to stand right here and just face those fellows. Donnie, I want you to come down this way just a little bit. Spread out. 
There you go. Brother Looney, I want you in the front on purpose. There we go. That's all right. It wasn't practiced. I brought today, this is our, this is our Pope family Bible. This thing's falling apart. It's well, well, probably well over 100 years old. It's been passed down from generation to generation. And because God, had, uh, because God had called me to preach, the family got together and they said, we want you to have the family Bible. And so I've had this Bible now for a number of years. And I want Brother Looney to hold that old, old Bible right there, if you will. According to the Word of God, Psalm 78, the Bible has given you and I a challenge that we're to take the truth that we've received and we're to pass it on to the next generation. And so here's an older generation, not old, not old, more mature. How about that? Does that make you feel better? No. No. <laughs> here's, a, here, here's an older generation. I said this morning, Brother Mike reminds me of those old sword conferences, and there were a lot of people probably who said, what conferences? Yeah. Because it's not, a, it's not something we know about as much anymore. Here's this older generation that walked with God that didn't just depend on the pastor to give them truth. Long before they ever came to Sunday worship, they had already spent time with the Lord, walking with God, spending time in their Bibles, spending time in prayer, getting something from God. And, and God blessed these older Christians and gave them truth and helped them to grow in the things of the Lord. And, uh, and, and by the way, for, for many, many years, our nation seemed to be going in the right direction. And there was holiness and there was a sense of righteousness. And, uh, and we didn't have all the turmoil that we have in this day and time, which we're living right now. Why? Because God had given them truth. But not only had God given them truth, but they understood what the Word of God said. So this generation turned around to the next generation and handed them that same truth. And this generation bought into that truth and they began to walk with God and they began to pray and they began to read their Bibles and they began to come to church and the pastor would pour into them and and they would receive truth and then they would walk with God in their quiet time and God would give them truth. And, and, and so we, again, we had a generation that had some character and a generation that showed up to work and a, a generation that believed in being honest and a, a generation that believed in integrity and a generation that, that believed in marriage and a, and, a, and a generation that believed in the sanctity of life and the holiness of marriage, that marriage was between a man and a woman. By the way, that ought not be, that ought not be foreign That's right. preaching in the church. That's right. Fellas, it is still right to marry a woman. Yeah. And ladies, it is still right and in accordance to God's word to marry a man. God never intended on two men being together or two women being together. The Bible calls it abomination. You say, preacher, I don't agree. And, it, and by the way, if you don't agree, you don't disagree with the pastor. You disagree with God. But here's this generation. They took that truth, that word of God, that preaching, that prayer, that church attendance. <laughs> oh, man. They just believe you're supposed to go to church. There was really no question. You just 
You just went. This generation, especially this one, the kids never, never got up on Sunday morning and said, Dad, are we going to church today? They knew they were going to church today. But he passed the truth back to this generation. And they held on to some of those things. Well, this generation is supposed to turn around and hand it to the next generation. Now, I'm just showing you what is supposed to happen. And then this generation takes that same infallible word, that same, those same truths of integrity, that same doctrine that Jesus is virgin born, the second coming of Christ. There's a literal hell. There's a literal heaven. Jesus is the son of God. And they take those, those same doctrines and they turn around and they pass it to this much younger generation. Now, this, what you just saw, that's what's supposed to happen. But I want to show you what has happened. Thank you, brother. Here's this old, older generation. Walked with God, went to church, got truth from the Lord. They turned around, passed it to this generation. This generation, come on back here, pass it along. This generation said, okay, I understand. I, I can see why that's important. I, I can see why I want to go to church. I can see why uh, we, shouldn't, we, we ought to stand against abortion. I, I can see why, uh, you know what, we ought to preach salvation through grace. I can see why, uh, you know, the, the Lord is coming again. Heaven's real. Hell is real. The Bible's infallible, inspired. I, I can see that. And this generation turned around and passed it to this generation. And then something happened. Somewhere along the line, we dropped the ball. And this generation, for some reason, never turned around and gave the truth to this younger generation. And now we have a world that's falling apart. Now I know, I know, I know what the liberals say. That book's outdated. It doesn't work. Let's take it out of school. Church is not essential. I know what they say, but the truth of the matter is, when we were honoring this book and preaching this book and living according to this book, things were going a whole lot better in America. But when we turned our back on this book and we turned our back on God, it's amazing how we started going to hell in a handbasket. And I know I say this all the time, but I, I believe it's worth saying again. I want all the kids to hear me out this morning. When I'm, I'm not that old this morning, 53 years old, but when I went to high school, we didn't know what metal detectors were. We did not have drug sniffing dogs. And you know what? It was a rare occasion. When I say rare, maybe once a year, it was a rare occasion to see a deputy sheriff's car parked in the parking lot. Never happened. We didn't have drugs in the lockers. We didn't, you know what? But now, because we've turned our back on God and now there's been this disconnect between this generation and this generation, now we're not only smoking pot, but our politicians are legalizing it. How about that? You're right. that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? 
I mean, we've got thousands and thousands killed every single year on the roads because of alcohol. And so I tell you what, let's do. Let's just go ahead and legalize marijuana. And so they can only be a drunkard, but they can be a dopehead and get behind the, uh, the wheel and, and kill some little innocent family. I'm just saying this. You say, preacher, it don't even make any sense. You're right. It doesn't make any sense. But the explanation is this. There was a disconnect between this generation and this generation. And somewhere along the line, we've got to get a group of people who say, you know what? We're going to get back to this and we're going to turn around and we're going to pass that word off to the next generation. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate your help. Thank you. Now I want to, I want to help us. I want you to really give me your undivided attention. There's an important concept, I believe, that every leader, when I say leader, I'm talking about pastors, Parents, deacons, Sunday school teachers, supervisors, business owners. There's an important concept that every leader ought to know as we are used to pass down truth to the next generation. And the concept is this. In leadership, your followers will usually set their high standard at your lowest standard. Man, oh man, I hope you'll hear me this morning. I'm going to say that again. In leadership, your followers will usually set their high standard at your lowest standard. That's why I believe, as a pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church, I must set a very high standard in front of the flock. Perfect? Oh no. Going to make mistakes? Yes. Your pastor is going to make mistakes. We're not always going to be... Uh, we're not, we're not, we're never going to be perfect in every area. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be uh, wrong things are going to be said, wrong, wrong things are going to be done. And so if you are waiting in the shadows, holding on, just be patient. It's going to happen. But I believe as the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church, I must set a very high standard in front of the flock. It's exactly why deacons have a certain standard scripturally that they're to live by. It's why Sunday school teachers must be ultra faithful. If you're a Sunday school teacher, and I know we're not having Sunday school right now, but it's coming. If you're a Sunday school teacher and you're not faithful, how can you expect those that you teach to be faithful? Don't, Don't be surprised when you show up to Sunday school and half of your pupils show up when you haven't been faithful on Sunday night or Wednesday night, hey amen, I know this is, I know, I know, I know this isn't popular anymore, but, uh, but I'm just telling you, listen, your, your followers will always set their high standard at your low standard. It's important. It's why I reject the new low standard of ministry. Where the pastor shows up in a tank top and flip-flops and Bermuda shorts and say, preacher, don't go there. You're meddling. You call it what you want. But I reject this new low standard where the preacher just walks in and looks like a hoodlum that just came off the street because this is my point. If the pastor's high standard is there, then what in the world, where in the world are the church members' low standard going to be? And so a preacher supposedly in our, not too far from here the other day, Stood up and told his congregation, if you want to have a beer, 
I have a beer occasionally. Wait a minute now. Here's my point. You say, preach single one to hell because he drank a beer. No. But I am saying this because his standard is so low. And your followers will set their high standard at your low standard. If the pastor drinks beer, you can guarantee the church members are doing much worse than that. Now I want you to take your Bibles this morning. Hold your place at Psalm 78. And I want you to, I want you to find your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And I thought about not having you go here, but I think it's important that we see this. Hold your place at Psalm 78 because we're going to go right back there. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and look at verse number 9. Because I know, and, I, and, and probably maybe nobody in here, but people are watching online and people are saying, well, uh, Brother Steve, you know what? You need to get back to preaching. You're meddling. Uh, you're chasing rabbits. You, you, call it, you call it what you want. But I believe what I'm preaching this morning, I believe it is the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 9. Paul said, but take heed. Lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Watch now. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge. In other words, Paul is speaking to those that are supposed to be stronger in the Lord. Paul is speaking to those that are leaders. Those that are more maturely spiritual or more spiritually mature. For if any man see thee which hast knowledge, sit at me in the, whole, in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died, but when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Now what is Paul saying? And I'm not going to go into this whole thing, but what is Paul saying? If your standard is too low, it will cause those who are weaker than you to struggle. Someone recently said, sermons whisper, but your testimony shouts. Amen. Now, hang on. So parents, can I have your attention? So parents, this means something. It means that as a parent, you had better set a very high spiritual standard. If your children set their low standard or their high standard, rather, your, their high standard at your low standard. That means that you better set a very high spiritual standard as a parent. Amen. You know what that means? That means if your kids never see you read this book, they never hear you pray, they never hear you praise, but occasionally they do hear you get profane. And not often, but occasionally, blankety-blank this and blankety-blank that. When you're just sort of hit and miss the church and not even faithful, even remotely. That's all I'm saying. If that is your low standard and your kids are going to set their high standard at your low standard, you know what's going to happen? Probably, more than likely, your kids are not even going to have God in their life. That's a, that's a tough truth for us to listen to, but it's, it's true. Did you know that Lot set a very low standard in front of his family? You read the story. His children ended up marrying sodomites. King David allowed his standard to slip morally. Read the story. Devastated his kids. I mean, he lost several and completely 
rocked his home. Noah lowered his standard and decided to get drunk and lost a son to the devil. Elimelech and Noemi uh, lowered their standard to sojourn in Moab and it cost them not one but both of their sons. Everybody hear me this morning? I'm just telling us today that you know what? Parents, if you, you're here this morning and you're a parent of, a, uh, of little kids or teenagers, uh, you know what? I, I can't help what everybody else does in the public school and I can't help what everybody else does in your neighborhood, but we're going to have to have some parents at Calvary Baptist Church who'll say, I'm going to pass the truth down to the next generation and while I'm doing it, I'm going to set my standard, my standard ultra high because I understand that my kids are going to set their high standard at my low standard and so it's very important that we watch what we're doing. So, when I was a boy, grade school, we had a, my, my, what we called my grandmother, Granny Mac. And every year, Christmas, we would get together on Christmas Day. Family would come in, and we would get together at Granny Mac's house would be packed, and she had just had a little house, and the house would be packed and jammed. And we'd be running around, you know, as kids, and <laughs> Granny would have coconut cakes, and she'd have pies, and I mean, she'd have uh, the spread. I, I'll never forget. One year we had all got together at Granny Mac's house and our family had come in, relatives had come in. We had a relative that, that had made some homemade wine. And they were pouring it. Never forget. Man, I could not have been very old. And I'll never forget this relative going to my dad and saying, Bill, would you like some wine? And I can remember daddy's response. I can't because I have children. Amen. I can't. I can't even think about it. Well, everybody's doing it. It's not that big a deal, Bill. Come on. But dad said, I can't because I have children. In other words, if I take my standard and lower my standard, and if my kids are going to set their high standard at my low standard, Dad said, I cannot afford to even take a drink of wine. I cannot do it. I've got to set an ultra high standard. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. I hope that you'll get this truth this morning. Oh, that we would rise to the occasion and lift up the standard and say, hey, we're going to be holy people and righteous people and people that love God. And may our children know that we don't just call ourselves Christians, but we are a Christian. And we don't just live for the Lord for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and an hour and a half on Sunday night. We're the same kind of Christian on Monday as we're on Sunday. And can I get a big amen right there? I'm going to get off of this. But I'm going to tell you something, church. Year, year, several years ago, I began to do a study. We, we had lost children in our youth group. And I was so burdened, and I went back, and I began to look, and I thought, Lord, why are we losing these kids? I'm preaching the same message I've always been preaching. We tried to be active in the youth group. We tried to have youth activities. We tried to take them to conferences. We tried to take them to preaching, and yet I'm losing these good kids from our youth group. And I thought, Lord, what's going on? We're still preaching the same message. We're still singing the same songs. We're still having the same kind of program. We, uh, the Lord's still blessing at Calvary. Lord, what's going on? And I begin to look. And in almost every single case without fail, there was a double standard at home. There was a mom and a dad 
who were just playing church, not spending any time in their Bibles, not faithful to, uh, faithful to God's house, and uh, just in and out, in and out, wishy-washy all the time. And those kids never survived spiritually. Oh, this is good this morning. This is helping me. If I ain't helping anybody else this morning. Why, why is it our responsibility to pass this truth down? Number one, for the purpose of propagation. propagation. Well, let's go further. Number next is this. To protect against preoccupation. What do you mean, pastor? So that the next generation will not forget the Lord. Now look at it if you will. Psalm 78, verse number 7. It's on the screen if you've turned away. Psalm 78, verse number 7. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Why are we to pass this book and these truths and I'm going to give you some very specific things tonight that we're to pass down to the next generation. Why are we to pass these things down? Why, preacher, why? So the nation, so our kids, so the next generation won't forget the Lord. Amen. You say, well, what's the big deal? I'm going to show you what the big deal is. You're in the book of Psalms. Turn back to Psalm chapter 9. What's the big deal, pastor? If this generation forgets the Lord, are there any repercussions? Are there, are, are there any, any things that are going to happen when we forget the Lord? Well, look at what the Bible tells us in Psalm 9, verse number 17. In fact, I tell you what, let's do, let's just read it all together as a congregation. Psalm 9, verse 17. If you found your place, say amen. amen. All right, here we go. Ready? The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. Now you can read that verse in two different ways. Both apply. You can read it like this. The nation that forgets the Lord shall be turned in the, into the destination of hell. They'll be sent to hell. That's true. You can apply it that way. They'll be sent to a physical place called hell. But I believe you can read it another way. The nation that forgets the Lord shall be turned into, and I want you to notice those two words, turned into hell. In other words, they'll be destined to become like hell. We would say something like this. The caterpillar lived in a cocoon and after a while turned into a beautiful butterfly. Or we might say something like this. We place the ingredients into the oven, and after a while, it turned into a delicious cake. Or we might say something like this. The builder took the lumber and supplies and turned them into a gorgeous home. Now, Calvary, you mark her down. The nation that forgets the Lord will eventually be turned into You say, wow, preacher, what's going on? I turn on Fox News. Man, we've got rioting. We've got looters that are tearing up major cities and burning Minneapolis to the ground and looting and ransacking Santa Monica, California and setting fires in San Francisco and, 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 and causing havoc and damage in Atlanta, Georgia and Seattle, Washington and 
and Portland, Oregon and all these places. I mean, there's unrest and there's fighting and there's violence and there's hatred and, uh, and all of these things are going on. You say, wow, wow, pastor, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. We as a nation are being turned into hell. We're taking on those attributes of hell. Why? Because we have forgotten the Lord. I was getting ready. To, I was going to preach on this. I was putting this outline together and just doing some extra study. And I found out that Dr. Erwin Lutzer had put out a book sometime back. And, and the book, when I saw the title, it arrested my attention because of what I was going to preach on today. The title of the book is this, When a Nation Forgets God. Seven lessons we must learn from Nazi Germany. You know what we need right now? We need some teenagers that'll sit up. Oh, I understand, 100% are not going to. But I, I just wonder if there's one godly teenage boy that would at least sit up this morning and listen to your pastor. Because you know what? It won't be too, too long. Brother Mike will be passing off the scene. Brother Looney will be passing off the scene. Brother Charles will be passing off the scene. Brother Steve will be passing off the scene. And we're going to have to have some young people that take the truths that they've been handed and say, we're going to stand up for what's right. Listen to this now. When a nation forgets God, seven lessons we must learn from Nazi Germany. Erwin Lutzer began to think about what was it? Back in World War II when Hitler was coming on the scene and Germany began to come, that Nazi party, that communist dictatorship. And Erwin Lutzer began to talk about what was it that, that changed a, a nation where there were church-going people and people that loved the Lord and and, uh, but it began to change the churches and it began to change the pastors and it began to change the nation until they finally got to the place where they began to accept those awful, awful things that Adolf Hitler began to propose. Listen, listen to this. I got an article out of the book. It reveals some scary parallels between Germany then and America now. Hear me out. This is an excerpt. So right from the beginning, Hitler sought to marginalize the church to guarantee that no Christian influence would be allowed to inform government policy. By the way, that's happening right now. We have politicians standing up and saying to the Supreme Court justice that's been nominated, we're afraid you're going to bring your religious views into the court. What's going on? So right from the beginning, Hitler sought to marginalize the church to guarantee that no Christian influence would be allowed to inform government policy. Worship, listen now, worship would have to be a private matter between a man and his God. At all costs, the official state policy would have to be based on humanistic principles to give Hitler the freedom to do what was best for Germany. He said that the churches must be, quote, forbidden from interfering with temporal matters. The state would have to be scrubbed clean of all Christian convictions and values. Since Germans had for centuries celebrated Christmas and Easter, 
Hitler had to reinterpret their meaning. Christmas was turned into a totally pagan festival. In fact, at least for the SS troops, its date was changed to December 21st, the date of the winter solstice. Listen now, church. School prayers were banned. And carols and nativity plays were forbidden in the schools. Sound familiar? You say, preacher, we could never become Germany. Germany didn't think they could become that way either. School prayers were banned. Carols and nativity plans were forbidden in the schools. And in 1938, even the name Christmas was changed to Yuletide. Sound familiar? Employees, do not say Merry Christmas. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Next time you meet somebody like you, you ought to say, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Christmas was changed to Yuletide. Crucifixes were eliminated from classrooms. Easter was turned into a holiday that heralded the arrival of spring. If religion was tolerated, it had to be secularized so that it would be comparable with the state's commitment to the greater good of a revived Germany. Most of the churches bowed to the cultural currents and endorsed the, quote, positive Christianity that was in line with government policies and Germany forgot God. By the way, they also became a socialistic government. In fact, I thought this was an interesting statement. Someone said that when God died in the 19th century, man died in the 20th. For when God is dead, man becomes an untamed beast. You say, preacher, why are we to take these old truths, these old doctrines, these old principles? Oh, I know they seem outdated. I know some of the younger generation say we're a bunch of dinosaurs. I know that it isn't politically correct anymore. I know it isn't popular. Preacher, if we keep preaching this book, we may never have 10,000. We may never have 10,000, but we didn't come here to have 10,000. We came here to honor God. Why do we take these truths and pass it down to the next generation and that generation pass it down to the next generation and that generation passes it down to the next generation? Why, preacher? So we don't have a generation that forgets the Lord little boy and his family, they had planned a day trip to the country on the next day. They were going to go out and visit the country, pick apples and just have a good time. He was so excited about that trip. And that night as he was having his prayer, he said something like this, goodbye, God. We're going to the country tomorrow. And I thought... In a lot of ways, a lot of families in America have said to the Lord, goodbye, God. We've got some other things we need to do right now. And because of that, we've got a nation that's forgetting the Lord. Hey, parent, I'm just 
trying to lay the burden on you this morning. You and I are going to have to set a high standard. By the way, some of you grandparents, we know because the Bible tells us, we know the power of a grandparent. Timothy was what he was because he had a godly grandmother. And some of you grandparents, and I know you're limited, but some of you grandparents may have to sort of, the best you can, jump in there and try to pass these truths down to your grandbabies. I'm going to tell you what I want. I don't want, I've got seven grandkids right now. I don't want my grandkids, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to go visit my grandkids when they're 28. And I say, could we pray before we eat? And they say, Papa, we don't do things like that. I want seven grandbabies that know what it is to love Jesus. And know what church is all about. Know what this holy book is all about. But if that's going to be the case, you know what? There's going to have to be some people that get serious about passing this down to the next generation. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, thank you for this time we've had together today. Father, I pray today that we would have some parents, some homes, some moms, dads that would gather around this old-fashioned altar and say, God, with you being my helper, I intend to pass the word of God down to the next generation. Lord, I pray that you'd give us some leaders at Calvary Baptist Church. These men that feel the call of God in their lives to preach. These that are Sunday school teachers or deacons or leaders in the church. God, may they understand that our followers, our followers will set their high standard at our lowest standard. And because of that, we must set a very high standard. God, I know we hadn't laughed a lot today. I didn't use a lot of humor or any, really. But Lord, it's a serious time. It's a sober time in America. God, maybe every once in a while we need to quit telling jokes. And we just need to preach it serious. God, give us some people at Calvary, Baptist Church. I don't know what the other churches are going to do. But give us some people at Calvary Baptist Church who will say, today I'm going to pass down the Word of God that I've been handed to the next generation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question or two. First of all is this. I wonder how many are here today. You'd say, Pastor, if I died today... I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved and going to heaven when I die. If you can honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up today? You say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Is there another here today? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I wonder if there might be one here today who would say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Would you remember me in prayer? Would you pray for me, preacher? I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now and let me at least pray for you. Right now, you'd raise that hand. Preacher, pray for me. All right. I see that hand. Is there another? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. You'd slip your hand up. Is there another? Anywhere. All right. I see that hand. I'm going to pray, and we're going to have you stand. Is there one more before I pray, though? You'd say, Pastor, 
I'm not sure about heaven. Not sure that I am saved. Would you pray for me right now? You'd slip your hand up. Is there another anywhere? All right. Let's all stand, if you will, Father. Thank you for this time we've had together today. I pray, God, that you'll bless your word. I pray that it will hit its mark. I believe it is. I believe it will. Father, I pray especially for these that need salvation. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as leaders, as those that will pass the truth to the next generation. Father, help us to set a high standard, very high standard. God, help our parents today here at Calvary to say, I'm going to set a high standard in my home. We're going to have a spiritual atmosphere. The kids are going to know that I love Jesus. They're going to see me in my Bible and prayer. We're going to start a family altar. God, I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. Thank you for those that have already responded. We love you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.